Yeah. Hello everyone, um, this is Kwame and your live on Jinsetum Radio and today we're going to discuss a very sensitive topic as well. Well, somebody can say it's not sensitive, but then um, it's just very crucial for us young people to also have a voice around that. But hey, um, elections are still ongoing, and just go out there and vote for your favorite candidates. And then um, if you are part of the Commonwealth countries, you can vote. If you're a British citizen, you can also vote. So just make sure you cast your vote, because your vote is important. And you would have also had a hand in choosing the person that you feel can manage the country in the way that suits you. So, today we are going to discuss that should we ban politicians and political campaigns from social media. And we already have heard of issues around Cambridge Analytica and the role that it played in, let's say, the American politics. And because of that, you know, such an organization was brought down. So, the question that we keep asking is that if we are very angry or anxious or sentimental around uh, our social media data being you know processed in a way that allow politicians to be able to um sort of couch their manif- their campaigns to catch our attention then should we just tell them that hey don't use social media again should we ban it so those are the um things that we are going to discuss today and i have my guest here very nice people here and they are also students of university of manchester they will introduce themselves and then we get on with the show so let's start with you hello everybody um my name is panaretti i'm a first year law student and i am um, a student rep i'm also um, part of the steering committee of a student union and i'm very interested today to discuss about how social media has actually changed politics of uh, the recent elections actually everybody guys everybody go and vote it's very important um it will, it will be very uh, interesting discussion wonderful yeah so how are you hi there wishing all of you a very warm evening and um, i'm krishna and i'm a second year uh, economics and business studies student very interested in politics and that's the reason why i'm here and i hope uh, your time will be worth it thank you Awesome. Yeah. So um, can you tell us the countries where you are from? I'm from Ghana. I'm from Cyprus. Great. I'm from India. Good. And the reason why we talk about our countries is to for people to understand the diversity that is in here. So we want to really get people's perspective from different places. Because we don't want our discussion to be entrenched, you know, in a, in a specific way because we all come from a different place. So we really, the show is really based on diversity and p- giving people the confidence that they can express their own opinions without, you know, nothing oppressing it. Yeah. So, um back to the discussion so first i would like us to look at some of the social media um applications that we have or social media platforms that we have that um let's say at the moment politicians use and then what they actually use it for so yeah we can just start the discussion from that angle yeah so uh, um, there's facebook and yeah. there's instagram um there's also youtube where they upload videos yeah I think in the recent years, a lot of people are turning towards Instagram. Um, it's very popular, especially where I come from. Um, Instagram overrules Facebook. Oh, okay. And um, politicians use it to promote their campaigns. 
they use Instagram to uh, Instagram, Facebook, and all other social media to shape their campaigns as well. Mm-hmm. So they would see what um, they would see what their what the people out there, what the different groups of people, the youth and the adults um, want to see, and mm-hmm. what changes they want, and they use that in their campaign to attract more votes. Um, obviously, it's a very good way of promoting. They're candidates, and that's the basis of it. Oh, wonderful. Like, you know, never knew that Instagram has even overruled Facebook in Cyprus, you know? So, like, that is the advantage that we get. the youth, especially. Oh, okay. Not so much with the older people. Oh, awesome. Coming to the uh, political aspect of uh, social media campaigns, there was a time where uh, Twitter actually dominated the industry. Oh, yeah. Then uh, back from 2016 onwards, Facebook took an upper hand mm-hmm. and it has continued its legacy so far. They're also utilizing YouTube since the past one to two years. And mm-hmm. uh, a niche uh, platform remains as uh, Instagram. Like they haven't uh, switched to Instagram as of now. Coming to um Twitter, like there was a very stunning uh, news article which I read a couple of days back that from 22nd of November 2019, uh, Twitter would ban all political ads and campaigns. Mm -hmm. Now, that could be interpreted as a marketing gimmick or election tactic, who knows, but that's very interesting to know. Mm -hmm. Their official statement stated that uh, they do not want any uh, political candidates to ball their system or spread misinformation through their platform. Yeah, because I think um, I also saw the same sort of message. Um, yeah, recently I saw it. So I don't know. I was told that one particular political party, I'm not going to mention the name because elections are going on, um, was actually banned. Um, one of their campaigns message was um, taken off because it actually contained some excerpts of videos from a, part- a particular news agency and all that. So, yeah maybe uh, something of the sort is going on but you know like, when you take yeah you want to you want to sub, add something yeah actually share the tweet they can comment mm-hmm. um and that's a very good way to change the approach to, to make people more involved yeah because it's very important for them to exercise this right to be to vote yeah and i think since people in the 21st century are so involved in social media, um, it's very important for the for politicians to interact to them in this with them in this way. Ah, awesome! So um, now let's let's take let's say Facebook, um, Instagram. I don't know whether Snapchat they use it because I don't I don't use I don't Snapchat. So. Yeah, but let's take Facebook uh, and Instagram. Let's say WhatsApp. I don't know how well politicians use WhatsApp. But when you take Facebook, you can have, let's say, your personal page. You can have, no, you, you can have your, I don't know how they call it, like your individual uh, account. And then they can also have a page. And then you also have now, you now have the Facebook stories, um, status, then it's called status of stories. So wh- which of these um, do, have you seen politicians use and which of them do you, in your own um, opinion, is, would be effective? I would um I would guess that they wouldn't use their private accounts um because that that would be more personal. Yeah. Um they would use their official page mm-hmm. uh, where you can follow and you can get notifications about what they're posting and 
possibly they would try to make their campaign very consistent mm-hmm. um, and they would try to post all the time to get people um, to persuade people to vote for them mm-hmm. um, that's a very interesting point uh, she has actually come up with now the problem with democracy is that it assumes that an individual is able to make a rational choice while, to some extent right now coming to the fact that social media is actually promoting people to vote um it's it's no surprise that most of the politicians today are not maintaining their own public profiles they hire a handler so yeah. they are the ones who are actually maintaining their social profile uh, page now the problem with that is what if the politician is an absolute twat mm-hmm. but the but he may be a good person like he may be a good manager or he may be a good hirer so the person who is working under him has created such a fabricated profile of him or such a fake image of him which the politician is absolutely fine in accepting and this is actually misleading mm. so we would not want such people who have no actual interest in politics to to actually vote so i'll come to a very personal example in the recent uh, like part time officer elections mm. that were held um i asked one of my friends that whom did she vote for so she said that i saw all the candidate profiles their pictures and whichever guy looked the most handsome to me <laughs> i just voted for him so we would not want such people to mm. you know invest oh. in voting wow personal experience um when i was looking on who to vote um for elections like 2 years ago mm-hmm. I based it on who had and how much effort they put into promoting on social media how were so I think that's it's to the normal citizen to the mm-hmm. ordinary person they need they need to have that's a, the way to appeal to them yeah Obviously, they could be misleading. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot possibly know. No, um, yeah, I think that 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 has always been the same sort of argument that I've made back home. That um, when it comes to actualizing some of the things that we say, yeah, like I mean, we all don't know how it's going to be, but. in the interim when those who are campaigning i would want to see the cohesiveness the r- realism in some of the things that you are proposing that you would do and all that then i would just base my decision to vote um on it so um let's look at so for example would you would you let's say now we are placing our contest of argument within social media okay so would you check the last one was just thinking that If, if if let's say uh, two people are running for elections mm-hmm. i would just go and check the uh, the number of following <laughs> that each of them have could could it be a good argument to say well i'll vote for him because he has the large following on social media so like this is very common actually uh, when a celebrity runs for a, a cabinet position he or she may not have the technical expertise to you know actually hold that position in mm. that role but just for the sake that the person has 19 million followers on Instagram or 23 million followers on Snapchat and they've posted some cheesy pictures on you know <laughs> taking mm-hmm. selfie and god knows what uh that that actually i i don't think so that's a very good system under true democracy and
to an mm. extent yes if it's involving people to vote it does make sense but and another point which i'd like to highlight is that social media campaigns are highly short term in the sense that you have to fit in your entire message in 140 characters now the problem with that is support uh, when yeah, that, a twitter that's war twitter. yeah exactly yeah. when a twitter war actually happens 140 characters in itself is not adequate in the first place yeah instance. now second uh what if a candidate is proposing a mandate and he had posted that on twitter but when he his party actually comes to power he works on it half time and then the problem is in during his tenancy the policy does not get executed mm-hmm. in the next tenancy or the next governance it gets executed so the uh, there's always a fear that the next governance will take the entire credit upon oh. this please that is very true <laughs> first point um when he mentioned that i just have a lot of uh, followers follower uh, it means that um, the, the people would be the appeal to more people but to have on a counter note to have um that many followers it means that they had tailored the message to appeal to a, a wide audience mm-hmm. so that that would have been um a good technique that they use mm-hmm. and maybe they they have a points that appeal to a lot of audience so yeah. it could not it doesn't necessarily have to be bad mm-hmm. um wanted to add that yeah I, and i think um like from the one one of the point that he raised as well that maybe if the person is a celebrity then the person has already attracted some following who necessarily are not there because of his or her current political ambition but like you're also saying let's say it could be another person that has been able to tailor the message very well and has appealed to a certain category of people that are following them very well so it makes you know sort of my argument on using following <laughs> a very horrible one if i put it that way because then there know, there are a whole lot of um things that account for somebody's um following you know, um, the, the point is actually quite hilarious uh if you see like she mentioned the fact that um the fact that he he or the person has managed to uh, create that image or has been able to tailor that profile mm. uh, states a lot about him i think if you look at the porn industry i think they have tons of viewership but what what shallow message does it portray to the society <laughs> <laughs> well some other people can argue on that you know because <laughs> yeah. at a point in time it does <laughs> but maybe the situations may be different and yeah, so the situation is quite different yeah. and it's important to look at both sides yeah um the second point that you raised uh for twitter i think that if it was an extensive um extensive piece of work that they that they uploaded for people to see people wouldn't read it <laughs> because as you just scroll through your and not notifications realistically you you want to be, you would like stop and see something eye catching mm. you wouldn't stop and just read and read yeah at least the ordinary person wouldn't and most uh, politicians want to appeal to the ordinary person yeah because that's the majority and that is absolutely true exactly <laughs> that that proves my point you know uh, a couple of years back when david cameron was actually um, contesting so he had uh, posted a series of really ridiculous videos and it's like it stated that he is doing his own laundry he is washing his own utensils <laughs> you think that's true in real life i don't think so that's absolute yeah. fallacy 
So. I mean that that's I mean that is why let's say we take Twitter and then it takes it gives you like the 124 characters and then you take Facebook and you have unlimited you know you take LinkedIn is is very unlimited so let's look at it from this point too um, social media too has been one of the medium through which you know politicians will send information for us to read and then um, now political campaigns to have turned to a different level where we actually sort of either troll other politicians or we gather certain information whether it is true or it's not true or whether it's from an authentic source or it's not from an authentic source we just throw it out there and like the point that you raised people don't like to read or maybe even authenticate where the information is coming from. And so do you think um, from that angle where it becomes a medium for people to negatively use it for the benefit of one other person? You know, like, I mean, we've had Absolutely. Um, fake news coming on and all that. That's cent percent true. Like, there's a very good uh, saying back in Wall Street that uh, politics and elections are not one on the basis of GDP growth rate or any <laughs> other factors. They are one on the basis of uh, populism yeah. and negative media marketing mm-hmm. rules the industry. So uh, just imagine you are contesting for an election and you're, uh, the, other, the other party who's your opposition basically uh, just before a couple of minutes before the voting session actually highlights a really sensitive issues mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, puts it public on a social media platform, it would have a really negative impact on the voting audience and that's how you lose 80% of your vote. Yeah. yeah, do, 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 yeah. Would, you, would you also be looking at it from the point where, um, yeah, so I want to win, you know, and I'm not actually posting something that I want to do, but I still want to use social media as a way of, you know, posting a I negative mean, something about... Popularity and gaining popular support has always been it's part of the political um, political spectrum. It always has been, from like the dictatorships to democracy. So um, it's just so important. That's like the the most important part mm. to appeal to like any any audience. And there's not many people would would, would read and research deeply. Mm. Manifesto is specifically it's a lot of times people are affected by their families and what the the families um, um mm-hmm. or they vote for their family members of, of friends not yeah, necessarily yeah. who um who has a similar um, viewpoints as them so um, now let's come back to the Cambridge Analytica issue where, um, I mean, Cambridge Analytica is um, an organization that sort of manage big data where they're able to sort of, you know, mine data from social media and sort of analyze, they do sentimental analysis to know what people are talking about, what um, appeals to which um, demographic of people in which area and other. So you can do that complex analysis. So um, they were, they came into the news as to, you know, they, they, they bought data from Facebook to be able to do sentimental analysis for a certain um, political party back in the United States that I think is being con- uh, contentious right now. But people started talking about this. Um, I mean, pe- we that put information on social media started talking about it, seeing it as very unethical. But my question is, if I put an information on Facebook 
about my sentiments, my position as to how less agriculture or education should be managed or something. Why should it be a problem if a politician sees that message or somebody sends that message to a politician so that the politician uses that as um, to, to, to inform their manifesto so that they can appeal to you and tell, yes, I would want to work on this. Should it, should it be wrong for the politician to see that information posted on Facebook? From one side, they could uh, use the information, they could misuse information mm-hmm. to change their manifesto and ad- adopt it mm-hmm. in a way that's not genuine and it's mm-hmm. not real. It, uh, it does not, um, it does, it's not the same as what their initial views were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just it's like to win, not necessarily to work on it. A, a progress, and not necessarily what they would do later if they are elected. Mm. But then, how how do we determine that? Like that, let's say this information about me that it is politicians have had access to, um, he would actually implement it. You know, how how isn't this a challenge? Basically, they, what I have seen is that they play really safe on their part. So if you um, submit, like if you post something really controversial on Twitter or Facebook, they'll basically uh, comment on that, and then they they'll put it under their Twitter so that other people can see. Mm-hmm. Even if you're getting the credit, goes to you. Uh, credit is shared between you and the person, like the politician who's mm-hmm. sharing it. And if the, if the blame is there, then blame is also shared fifty fifty. Yeah, but then, but then let's look at it from the so like I'm saying from the Cambridge Analytica perspective, where your data is mined, okay, like yeah. your data is literally bought for the politician to look at it and say, okay, I'm actually studying um, what you've been saying on social media. Maybe then the after the analysis, they get to realize, that, okay, you're very passionate about education, and then I think you really want education less to be free to be this, to be that, to be that, they get to realize that. Then they're able to shape their manifesto around that. So my, my, my question is, is it wrong from your perspective, at least putting it on Facebook as something that you, you are really passionate about, you want it solved, you put it on social media and the politician gets access to that and then put it in, in his or her manifesto. Is it wrong for the politician to have access to that information you already made public? Now, it depends, actually. Yeah, the fact that they are using something that's very close to heart, a heart, as you mentioned, suppose you're very passionate about education, so they are collecting that data, and they use, they are, you know, molding their uh, manifesto in such a way that it impacts education. But when it is actually coming to power, do you think out of so many people it has targeted, say, a real estate magnet, a educationist, a, say, a, a social worker, do you think are they actually going to you know, make everybody's interests a reality. And coming to the point in Cambridge Analytica, as far as my knowledge is concerned, they are a data uh, management firm. Mm-hmm. They call themselves a data management firm. The interesting part about Cambridge Analytica is that the CEO uh, states that Facebook had given uh, Cambridge Analytica full access mm-hmm. to the data of people. Now, what kind of data were they actually referring to? Mm-hmm. Suppose when you were using Facebook, a pop-up actually came on your screen and said, we use such and such cookies, we use this and this. Mm-hmm. Would you give access to our partners? You click on OK, 
and what basically happens is just apart from that they they you know they permeate into your system mm. they can get a full full track of your chat history when were you online when were you offline how many people have you got in your contact list so it's an indirect way of data stealing as mm-hmm. they call it mm-hmm. that we could argue that's like um, violation of privacy mm-hmm. in a posit- in a positive light because we do have to see both mm-hmm. in a positive light they see what is needed in society and what yeah. improvements have to be made mm-hmm. But on the other side, um, people's privacy is taking away. Yeah. They're being consistently uh, controlled and mm. checked upon. And there's some morality is- and ethical issues. Um. And I think you, you, you made a very valid point there in relation to you being consistently being controlled, you know. And I think that, that that has been the issue where people can really just study you and control you, tell you what you want to hear. Then you, you just you just be following. Now let's still come back to um, Cambridge Cambridge's issues. So you, you've been able to talk about the fact that yeah, so people the politicians get to know the real issue. For me, I think that is a positive note. They get to know exactly what society wants because now most a percentage of society are on Facebook or on on, on social media, so they get to know what society really wants, which I think is positive. Then they can say, okay, that these are the issues I really want to um, work on, rather than they assuming something just by themselves to, you know, just come out and say this is what I want to work on. When society really do not need it, but then you also raise another point, looking at um, there will be mining maybe some other information, you know, just that their access to that information also allows them to control you to take certain decisions that most likely you wouldn't have, even though, but it's like somebody working you. Working it to achieve that person's own benefit, but where do we? Where do? How do we achieve the balance? How do we achieve the balance of? I want to protect my information, yet I still want politicians to be able to do something that helps me. That's virtually impossible, if you see. Um, it's very interesting to know actually if Mr. Tim Cook today wants, he can access every picture of your iPhone or your. Apple device legally and you won't be able to even bring up a point in the court of law. Mm-hmm. When you buy an iPhone or an Apple device you, or you enter into a legal contract, mm-hmm. you give full authority to Apple to access your data rights. Now coming to few countries like I believe Germany has very strict laws on uh, data control and privacy. On the other hand, some other developed country may may be calling it as a form of say representation of public people people's representation it's fine for them but for some countries it's absolutely unethical mm. so it it also depends on the form of governance there you have so but but still how how do we achieve the balance so let, let's say you can use yourself as an example that um how would you want to control your data yet still want the politician to know exactly because you know when you are voting, it's about you. Because that's why it's like it's 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 a confidential something that you do. Yeah. So how how do you think? Yeah. By themselves, be careful. I guess what they're what saying. Um, be more conscious privacy. 
share their lives. Everybody wants to become an influencer. Everybody wants yeah. to do more and uh, mm-hmm. to change the world. Mm-hmm. be done through education i guess um but then can we the next question i want to say is should we have do we think there is another way for in our current stage do we think there is another practical way for politicians to get to know of our views not necessarily through social media So there's this traditional methods of polls and which has been, you know, taking place since, say, years. But the problem with social media is that the results or the outcome is really quick. And uh, considering the time constraint may not sound ethical, but a politician would always prefer to, uh, you know, collect data from social media. A polling takes months and then there are uh, rights around consent so you can't kill, you, you like there has to be a focus group and then you go among the people and even bef- even if you are conducting an interview with say eight people and you want to know their opinions you have to ask everybody to sign a legal document stating that you're absolutely comfortable in sharing your opinions or your image this and that so it's a very complicated process but but also understanding that yeah you know usually to a person is very difficult to when it comes to like contracts and all those kind of things it's just a bit difficult for people people to do but the point too is that the politician may want to take a decision or may want to focus their campaign on something that is more representative and hence would want to really target a very broad audience which social media gives you the chance to you know so if you have to use a traditional means which is focus group it's just going to be like let's say the sentiment of eight people how how do we ensure that it is more representative you know so that that becomes a concern maybe the other question i, I may also ask is that when politicians have access to us through social media they may also want to send content to us so when they have understood that we have issues around education then now they will be searching they will be searching for let's say anti education issues of their their opponent to send it to you you know so let's also look at it from that side that um would it also be okay for them to be able to send you information for for you to know that okay so this other person that i'm competing with doesn't actually share in your sentiments and hence vote for me not an ethical but in a way it's always been a political battle during elections between the candidates and trying to show that i am a better candidate than you yeah um so they were trying to highlight their strengths against the weaknesses of others yeah i guess it is um not it's not as moral as it should be but a person would be affected by it yeah so so do do, do we see just some sort of okayness for because like maybe let's say for example somebody most people do not uh like are more you know anti racist if i put it that way so people who really don't like racism and all that okay and then it is it's been very difficult for me to know exactly which candidate support certain acts that 
I may define as racist. Okay. And so I'm able to go through your profile, read your blogs and everything and realize that, okay, you actually really define this particular act as racist as a person. But you haven't actually realized that this candidate actually feels that that act is not racist. And so then I'm able to share that information with them. Okay, yeah, you didn't know, but this guy is actually saying that this act is not racist, which actually will piss you off. So wouldn't it be good me actually letting you know this information? So public opinions are always volatile, right? So it's virtually very impractical to take individual opinions into consideration what mm-hmm. might be a racist comment for me might be absolutely fine for you yeah. we've seen a lot of this melodrama already happening in the US elections when Trump was elected as the uh, president there were so many statements which he said like his earlier manifesto included America for Americans mm. and then there were people protesting on that too then he said that all immigrants should he said something uh, very uh, sensitive regarding immigrants and then the uh, like there was a certain concentration of people who were absolutely fine with it but there were also people who found it very you know demeaning mm. but uh, yeah had such extreme views mm-hmm. are actually um are taken on well by people so people like to see a difference they want a person that's going to make a difference and do it um, did achieve that, did mm-hmm. promote that, mm-hmm. um, that um, idea and attracted people to vote for him. And I think you've raised a very um, interesting point because, you know, um, you said something about social media being a place where people want to, you know, show off, sometimes not being the true representation of themselves. And so people are very are used to certain sort of messages or pictures on social media. And so it hasn't become a space where people can be real. Absolutely. If you put it that way. So it's like then you're looking at, let's say, Trump being saying the things that you and I would say in the bedroom, but wouldn't say outside. Like we wouldn't say it when our friends or when we are in a public gathering, but then when we are in our rooms, we are saying the same um, sort of thing. So is it, is, it, is, it, is it that social media actually helps us to present issues more superficially? It does. Absolutely, it does. So, uh, Mr. Trump is known to be a very colorful man, right? Mm. But do you think that he can portray that same image while he is contesting for the presidentship election, like president electionship? That's that's virtually impossible. And coming back to an example uh, in in my country, India, like I'll give you an example that proves how fake uh, social media. Uh, how fake a social media profile can actually be. So, so there was this really. Uh, really affluent politician who went into the slums and uh, he had his, you know, most lavish pair of gold-plated shoes and then he had a gold chain. Then he came in his, uh, he came in his like, fancy car and then he's gonna go, like, he's walking in, in the slums and basically he's called in photographers mm. and when he's shaking hand with the people, just after shaking hand with the people, he's asking his bodyguard to provide him with sanitizer so that he could sanitize his hand. <laughs> so that aspect, that aspect of his political campaign was actually neglected. It didn't show on social media, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. The other things that he is actually making an effort to go into the slum showed such a fake profile to the people. Like, how 
how much hypocrite can a person mm. be like? But maybe the, the other argument that someone else too would say is that, yeah, so it's because that is what society has. Um, it's like society has made social media a place for us to show the artificial side of us. And so if the politician is doing this, it's just a response to the sort of life we've been living on Facebook. Or what do you think? And um, doing that, showing this superficial, perfect um, profile attracts more follow. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, the more followers you have, unfortunately, the, the, the more worth you have yeah. in society today. And, um, and so maybe we could say that all, this, all the politicians that bring out an extreme controversial viewpoint may seem more genuine to the people. Mm-hmm. So, and go uh, because people are aware. Some people are aware that of this superficial um, way that people post online. The element of surprise is always there. It's, it's very fascinating, mm-hmm. according to human psychology, surprises. And I may be the only exception, as the speaker earlier had mentioned, that you know nowadays everybody wants to become a social media influencer. They want to show how they they're living life and this and that. I I, I may be the one percent. I am really concerned about my privacy, and I don't make it public. To mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a portrait for other people. Mm-hmm. My life is it's my life, right? And I have a lot of problems on my own. So before influencing others, I may influence my own life. Mm. But then let's say, um, yeah, so we identify social media as a place where people show maybe the artificial side of them. Even then it would it would, it would go to the extent of even saying that then it actually affects the authenticity of the information that the politician also picks from Facebook because then we are all just being um, artificial, you know. But the question is, how do they get to know the real us and then the real views that we are facing in this current system where it is virtually impossible for them to still use the traditional means to get to us? Because, for example, if, um, let's say, um, politicians are to send us surveys to fill, would we fill it? That's a question. Who would actually sit down and fill it? I remember back home, everybody... A lot of uh, companies used to call and be like, "Hi, we have a survey. Can you fill it in by mm-hmm. phone?" And the person, like, obviously, uh, I have to admit, like, my parents or um, one of my friends would say, "No, I'm very busy. Sorry, I cannot do it." But people wouldn't really respond to that. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So, like, for me, it it brings back to um, the the question that if we we as a people we really want um, our leaders to work to suit us okay yet we are not willing to share information with them in relation to exactly what we want them to work on okay we share some of those information on social media when they go and pick it from social media we are having issues because we think they are evading our privacy and all that do we then do we actually have the the moral right to even criticize them that oh you are in position you're not doing this when in actual fact he wanted to do what you want him to do but he didn't give him access to your information politicians have to look at also statistics like the uh, gdp how the education is going however um they have to look at that um to to formulate their their views and their political um um manifesto mm-hmm. but we have to remember 
that it's also the view of the minor- minority because mm-hmm. those statistics usually show the majority view and then that min- they have to do something to to find out more about the minority so you know benjamin disraeli the great man once said that there are three types of lies lies <laughs> damn lies and <laughs> statistics yes and when he said that i think he had the current proposition in mind mm-hmm. it's looking at statistics they they absolutely present uh, such a rose tinted image and when when you actually come to the fact you see those data was act the data was actually manipulated and it was taken yeah. from a very say very historical sort of data mm. it doesn't represent reality right and 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 even sometimes let's say if um I'm looking at okay yeah the, our gdp growth is like that is just 2% annually and when i come going to make it 5%. Yes when it come it can actually even be 7% but it could be money that actually still went into the pocket of just the rich you know and then it actually even brought about a huge inequality within society. That is some some so sometimes statistics is being championed when it is just going to mostly when it's just going to benefit the capitalists because it becomes a way that people can use to make arguments about it but like you said it makes it difficult for us to see exactly what the minority is facing or the very micro issues that need to be sorted out i feel like let's say gdp growth really like do you, you you may not necessarily know what gdp growth of india is and you don't care about it but you are really caring about your issues the issues your family are facing that you want it to be solved yeah so do you know do you think as a society we are supposed to at the moment we are supposed to be blamed from for our own problems because it looks like we are becoming too sophisticated for for people to know exactly what our issues are do you think we should be blamed or we we are more focused on how someone else will misuse the data that we give to them should we focus on people's ability to misuse the data or we should focus more on when i give the data out it will actually help in shaping um policies which will in the long term benefit us so as an economic student i have learned like the various in the economics uh, economic indicators that i used usually the data are taken from uh national statistics or some other established institutions and uh, they collect data on a on a regular basis now the problem with gdp growth rate and uh, other economic indicators is that they can be very easily manipulated yeah. and a gdp growth rate is not a true representation of the actual welfare in the country mm. so let's say i'll i'll give you an example of india they a couple of years back they said that the growth rate was 7% which is quite good for a developing country but but the reality which is uh, it was that they actually changed the base year from uh 2008 which is regarded as a very stable uh, year in indian economy to 2011 now what that means is in 2011 the prices of goods were really high mm. so when they looked at the actual uh, figures the figures came as hyperinflated figures so percentage wise it showed that india is actually having a growth rate of 7% mm. but it was not more than 5% and now like gradually it has come down to 5% mm. and that's happening in most of the other countries too Yeah. So so like exactly I mean that that that's always been an issue with you know whether those things are really a good measure of um economic growth. But the, the so now the question is should we focus on our the um the possibility of our data being misused? 
like 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 you, you talked about like people can actually use that data really against us should we focus on that or we should focus more on the fact that it can be used for the positive things we expect the politician to use they're both sides um people no matter what the answer is people will go with the flow they will just continue what the society is, what 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 these um, people in power uh, promote them to, to do so. Like mm -hmm. if the politician promotes your campaign through social media, show obviously your life and all these influences, they would want to do too. They want to share more of themselves, more of their privacy, more of their viewpoints. And then obviously th those will be misused yeah. by politicians. Or on one side, it be used to um, um, shape their. Yeah. So would you would you also say that let's say yeah they misuse the data, however, they after the person's time he was able to do exactly what um she um he or she picked your data for. Would you be okay with that? So like. It's a very, um, you know, non-practical way of looking at things. Like, you should not see the world in black and white. Yeah. The fact that you're giving your data is that you you are accepting the, you'll accept the benefits derived out of data, and you'll, you'll also have to take the risks the associated risks. with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You vote for a person, you uh, show you the trust, you trust them to take on and work for you and Mm -hmm. that it's that trust element that okay so 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 then so then you're saying that um we should just trust that they will use our data you know for the positive things so then like uh, i know you you, you, are, you are going for another program but so the question i'll ask is if, if you have to ask you should we ban politicians and political campaigns from social media would you agree that we do that with their candidates yeah learn more about the viewpoints of candidates mm -hmm. but on the other side it's they could misuse it to shape their own manifesto and not not, not only they are speaking genuine but also mm -hmm. betray a very superficial um a, a profile that's not them mm -hmm. and it's not something they will do mm -hmm. in in their own um, time mm -hmm. as a um, political leader so what advice would you give to somebody if the person asks you? Your research. Yeah. Um, research well who you want to vote. Look into their policies, and not just like what their superficial profile has to say. Look into their, their um, into what they're saying. That power to promote to the people um, important values, democracy, I think at the time that we are now seeing that everybody's becoming so much more uh, superficial and genuine person um, would be appreciated. Mm. Great. So um, how about you? Like, would you would you allow? Would, what would be your answer to the question that 
should we allow politicians and political campaigns off social media and why? Honestly, I would ban uh, politicians from the use of social media. And um, um, there are other means to connect with people and people will have to realize that in the future. And potentially the idea the, that you highlighted during the uh, program that the if we could bridge the gaps that current social media has or over a very fake profile of the politician mm -hmm. and the fact that your data can be misinterpreted uh if if there is an application or if there's an you know a solution to this i think that idea would potentially be worth billions mm. yeah and i think that um what what twitter has started doing is is really really good um i think facebook promised to do that to make sure um they sort of control the fake news that i usually um brought onto their platform but i mean we've, we've seen twitter taking actions even even um on this so um so like i was saying what what balance should we achieve should we sort of also tell people that at the moment social media is, is the only way it's just like the only practical way for politicians to understand you so that in case i'm putting information about my ideas on social media i can actually put a real one there knowing that if they mine it i still really do not care because then it, it, it's going to get my voice heard if i put it that way 40 years ago this argument revolved around should paper media be banned via, from using uh, political ad uh, like campaigns mm -hmm. and now we are debating on the topic that should social media I think after 20 years, the topic will again change to something else, it, it, which would be even more interesting and fascinating. And I think that's what makes the world complex because like new things keeps coming, new innovations keeps coming. But at the end of the day, people would still, for me, we keep talking about we want our voice to be heard. How else would our voice be heard if not through these sort of platforms? How? You know, like, do we have other ways for our voice to be heard? Because I think, let's say, for rich and connected people, they can directly go to and meet the president and tell the president, like, this is what I want you to do, and I'm going to fund it. But how about we don't, we do not have access to the president in, in person? Social media gives us a chance to also sort of meet them there. But I think we are still also scared that maybe our information is... We are even going to be abused if we, we write um, something that is in opposition to what the politician is saying. His supporters can also come in there and abuse you. So how do we balance some of this abuse and still be confident in making our voice heard at the moment when we don't have any other medium to meet the president or the political... Um, um, flag bearers to let them know how, how so how what would be your advice to people in relations to this there's no denying in the fact that uh, social media in the 21st century holds tremendous power and the fact that we have uh, throughout a conversation we have restricted social media to a very narrow like three or four platforms we mm. just talked about uh, say facebook we talked about twitter youtube but there are other means also which are included under social media. Yeah. For example, news channels are also a part of very big part of social media. Now, if we are using news channel uh, channels to, you know, uh, state a political opinion or you know, voice the aspiration of the people, there are there are a panel of uh, there are a panel of editors who go through your content. Then, after going through that uh, panel, after being approved to the panel, that's when it actually, you know. 
uh, permeates into the news channels that you watch. Mm. But on social media, if even if I, uh, you know, write a really stupid remark, it would take just seconds for me to post, and yeah. then it may further my account may be deleted. But the fact that the post went viral might have a very negative influence. Because I think the whole idea of social media is to is like I'm saying to get your voice heard. Because if you are to send something to the news media, sometimes it's going to be scrapped because it may it may be against what. You know, and the solution to your question would be that there there should be a change shift in the balance of power from these three uh, social media platforms that are currently dominating. That's Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, Instagram to a mm. niche extent. To other uh, platforms which are far more authentic and uh, they would be more uh, you know appropriate in using the data of people. But wouldn't wouldn't it still be us still putting our information there, and yes, still absolutely. wanting the politician to access it? Just one thing before I leave. Um, I think that as we have in university, we have this discussion platforms where we anonymity and an mm-hmm. anonymously can yeah. ask questions and immediately give us answers. Yeah. And this would be very. Arguments and and that would not be a violation of privacy. Yes, I've thought about it, but the actual topic was that like talking about social media campaigns, not mm. social media issues. So campaigns are actually revolving around data which they have collected from the people. So a Q and A question or something like that basically solves my query with the politician or you have such councils which take care of the following mm. but when you're talking about a politician they are manipulating our data into something that would suit their personal interests mm. through a very fake image but i think like from 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 what she said for example um what i'm also thinking about is okay yeah so we can actually make people anonymous on social media then it means that let's say we wouldn't have to provide our age and our other things on social media so it becomes very difficult for the politician to say yeah i'm actually seeing all the messages that is going on i can analyze it but i can't even associate it with let's say this demographic to say that okay i think young people are searching for this so let me appeal to them because maybe they form like 80 percent of the population so i think that that could also be something that could be looked at in ensuring that, okay, you can use social media. However, we are reducing the advantages that um, you would have in manipulating us. So I think that that's a, that's, that's a very good suggestion. And you also talked about, so you also, you also talked about um, the fact that we can be using other media where they controls let's say, their access to certain information, even though we will provide the information, but their access to certain information could be a bit difficult or controlled and all that. Yeah, so I, I think these are very good suggestions. So then it means from what you said, then if we can do that, then politicians should use social media, right? And I, I don't know whether I you're I see a billion dollar idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, so give me um, an alternative if you are saying that they shouldn't. We should we should ban them from using it. So then, what 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 should they use to get your voice heard? So they are free to use. Uh, you know, we should ban the way in which they are using social media. Uh, we should not ban social media entirely. So we should we shouldn't ban them from the use of social media, but how they use it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yes. 
but it's also like autonomy. You can't just appear on social media. Uh, good. In social media. All of it shows. It shows you argue. So at the end of the day, it's up to the person to as they seem in their social media, but by going, taking the extra effort and um, looking at their debates online and uh, watching their TV programs and their views and how can, and how they speak, with if, whether they speak with views of conviction or yeah. match their, their Facebook profile. Yeah, so um, That's my view. I didn't Thank bring you very up that much. point because there would be uh, argumentation on personality politics. So, but like the suggestions we've come up uh, in this program so far, I think it would be really helpful for the for our viewers. Yeah, so thank you very much. And then, I mean, thank you, my guests, thank for also coming you. on the thank show. You and for I us. love all the ideas that you brought up with. So, like you're saying, yeah, we will allow you to use social media, but please just be separate the way in which you on it, yes. how you use our information. So, it's been Ginseng on Radio. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day. <laughs>